0: and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at the OncoPT.com slash framework. Again, that's the OncoPT.com slash framework. We know that exercise is good for patients who have cancer, but how do we make sure that we're safe? Especially when it comes to the very interesting case report that just came out, which we introduced last week, we need to make sure that we're doing our job and being safe and effective in our exercise prescription. So welcome to part two of how to dose exercise safely for your patients with cancer. Welcome to the OnCo PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent OnCo PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. In this episode, we are doing a continuation of last week's episode, which I covered a very problematic but very important case report that just came out. So if you haven't got to check that out yet, I'll give you a quick recap. In this case report that was recently published, the study authors were doing a protocol in which they were doing one rep maximum in breast cancer survivors to do an exercise intervention. And on the surface, this sounds like a pretty good thing. We want our patients to exercise. We need to figure out where to start them with. And a common way that we do this in the exercise wellness fitness industry is through one rep maximums. Unfortunately, that person, so one of the participants actually sustained a compression fracture during one of these one rep maximum assessments. And as a result of this, the patient was treated for the compression fracture, but ultimately didn't return to complete the study, which means that this person did not continue with exercise that we know of, which is a really, really big problem. So now not only has this patient gone through cancer and cancer treatment, has now sustained a compression fracture. That's another thing that's just on an already, I'm sure overwhelming list of things this person has to deal with, and now is not participating in good beneficial physical activity that we know would actually benefit this patient. So what do we do? We need to be able to assess our patients appropriately to determine, okay, this is our starting point, this is what we need to do moving forward, but how do we do that in a safe way for the consideration that our patients ultimately have had cancer and have gone through cancer treatment? In today's episode, we are specifically focusing on non-metastatic cancer. So I'm very much isolating it this way because next episode we are going to focus entirely on what do we do, how do we dose exercise safely for our patients who indeed have metastases. So that's next week. We are going to worry about that a different time. For now, we are talking about non-metastatic cancer. And what that looks like, what we need to do, and how we might need to adjust things and maybe not do a one one rep maximum when we're actually assessing these patients. So, when it comes to non metastatic cancer, we really need to ask ourselves five questions to really figure out am I dosing exercise safely, appropriately, correctly for my patients? And so, we're going to go through each of these five questions that. I then want you to take back and actually look at your plans of care. I find that, especially after we've been practicing for a little while, we tend to get into a, um, a, you know, practice of habits. I will be the first to say I am tremendously guilty of when I'm dosing exercises a lot of times because, well, I won't give you the excuses. You already know the excuses, but I would tend to do, you know, up oh, three sets of 10. If I was doing balance exercises, three sets of 30 seconds. When that was more of a, that was a safe go-to for me, that wasn't really challenging me. And a lot of times it really wasn't challenging my patients appropriately. We know that exercise when dosed correctly is safe for our patients. And we know that we can challenge them when it comes to exercise prescription. So how do we find that happy medium of not going too soft, you know, not babying our patients, but also not going to the extreme to where we might end up causing an injury or causing more harm than good with the extreme end of that being indeed the compression fracture that I've been talking about in that case report. So first question you need to ask yourself is what is the goal of the exercise or the treatment plan that you're implementing? Why are you doing this? Why are you choosing to do the specific exercises that you are? Are you trying to improve strength? Are you trying to increase the person's power or maybe their endurance? Are we trying to promote more flexibility? Are we trying to work on balance? What are we trying to do here, truly? Because we know that we can use different exercises for different things and how we prescribe one exercise could address any number of these issues. Some of them may peck, maybe even like multiple of them. So when it comes to dosing specific activities, exercises that you want your patients to be doing, you need to be thinking about what is the goal of what I'm actually trying to do here. And when you really hone in on what is the goal I'm trying to accomplish here, that will help you determine, okay, these are how many sets these are how many repetitions, this is the intensity that I want the purchase the you know the person to perform this in. This is how much rest time I need. And if you need a little bit of a brush up on those guidelines, I've actually included in today's show notes. So if you go to um theoncopt.com, if you go to the podcast, and under episode 131, I've included several different guidelines. So one of them is a very blanket ACSM guidelines for dosing exercise in general. And this is for the general population, but I included it because it's a really good reminder of some of the things that we should be thinking about when we're prescribing exercise. So I'm actually going to try and pull it up here, if I can, if not, it's okay. Um, So in general, we know that American adults should be getting 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise. And how we do that is we are calculating heart rate. You know, what is a person's maximum heart rate? What is their heart rate right now? And then finding that sweet spot, the percentage of where we want them to be. We also want our people, and I say people, not just patients here, but this is collectively the American population. We also want them to be doing muscle strengthening activities, two or more days a week. And this is general, you know, whole body, multiple major muscle groups to strengthen doing some kind of resistance training. And this can look very, very differently for many different populations. Now, if you are trying in your plan of care to get your patients to that, you know, maybe this is more of a wellness, maybe you're doing some kind of like a prehab or a um, like a conditioning Plan of care, then this would be something to consider. Are you meeting these goals? Are you helping the patient meet these goals? Or is your plan of care more therapeutic in nature? You know, you're trying to fix a musculoskeletal issue or, you know, help decrease some of the side effects that this person may be experiencing. So again, this is all part of the, what is the goal of what you're trying to do with your patient. And you may have several goals within your big plan of care, but where does this specific activity, where does this specific exercise fit in with all of this? So first thing to consider, what is the goal of the exercise, the activity that you're trying to implement with your person? Second question is, where is the person in their cancer journey? And this can dictate a lot of, some of the, the, the factors we were talking about previously. So when we prescribe exercise, we very much ascribe to the fit principle. Um, so we're talking frequency, intensity, time, and of course, now I'm going to forget it. This is what happens when you, when I get st- talking and I can't remember what I'm talking about. The frequency, of time, type, excuse me, Whew. I remembered it. Okay, so fit, <laughs> sorry guys, frequency, intensity, time, and then type of exercise the person's doing. So, with all this in mind, we can change a lot of these factors and we can really adjust what we want to be doing by changing the FITT principles. And we especially have to adjust them throughout this cancer care continuum. So, again, we are talking specifically non-metastatic cancer for today. We'll We'll talk about metastatic cancer more next week, next episode, but we really have to think about where the person is in their cancer journey. Are they currently undergoing treatment? What treatment? And in asking ourselves this, in asking our patients this, this helps us determine what are the potential side effects? What are the potential effects that that treatment could have on that person. For example, we know that some chemotherapies are very cardiotoxic. So, the one that immediately comes to mind is um, adriamycin. So, it's an anthracycline, and anthracyclines are known to be very toxic to the heart. So, specifically, adriamycin, also known as doxorubicin, has an effect on the um, left ventricular ejection fraction, it decreases it in many, many patients, and not just now, but over many years, um, and we can see these cardiotoxic effects for many, many years after the person has finished treatment, has been done with cancer, and that affects a person's tolerance to exercise. We also know that during certain cancer treatments, patients don't feel good. You know, maybe they feel crummy, maybe they're having difficulty keeping food down because they're nauseated, or maybe, you know, they're having issues with diarrhea, so nutrition is a real issue. So we have to consider that treatment, whether the person is, you know, going through treatment right now, or has completed a treatment, or had a treatment previously, maybe didn't finish all the way, those side effects can significantly affect a person and their tolerance to different exercises and not just different exercises but different ways that we prescribe exercise again think about the intensity of the exercise a person who's going through chemotherapy likely won't be able to participate at the same intensity of exercise that a person pre-chemotherapy or you know maybe after who's done with treatment those those intensities those tolerable intensities may be very different for pop you know patients at these different stages and I want to come back to something that sometimes I think gets lost when we're talking about treatments. Patients don't always finish treatment, and this happens for a variety of different reasons. Maybe they couldn't tolerate the treatment. You know, it has a lot of side effects, lots of impairments that were worse than, or you know, maybe those uh, those side effects outweighed the benefits of that particular treatment for the patient. Sometimes we know that insurance limitations affect a person's ability to finish treatment. But just because a person doesn't finish chemotherapy, radiation, whatever, doesn't mean that the side effects just magically go away. The side effects and the potential side effects of these treatments still count, even if a person didn't finish their treatment. So I try not to ask patients, what treatment have you finished? Because sometimes they don't include all the treatments because they didn't finish X, Y, or Z. So make sure that you're checking on what treatments the person has had at any point, not just the ones that they, quote, finished. So question number three that we need to be asking ourselves is, what does our pre-treatment assessment tell us about the person in front of us? Now, ideally you've done, you know, you've done the, the evaluation. So you figured out, okay, this is what I'm working with. This is, I've gotten some of this information already, but every time you see a person, you need to be doing a pre-treatment assessment. And this, this might come in the form of the subjective. So when, you know, your patient comes in or when you first go in to see your patient, you're asking them, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Maybe you're asking about how their family's doing, how their day's been going, But it's not just a time to shoot the breeze, right? This is the time to assess how they're feeling, how they are doing physically, not just now, but also how they did in response to the last session that you had together, as appropriate, of course, depending on where you are in your treatment, you know, your treatment phase. And also ask them, you know, assess what are their goals for this session? Do they have something that they have figured out? You know, I can't really do this. I would really like to be able to do blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, I've got this thing coming up. I really want to make sure that I can stand long enough to go do blah, 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 blah. Whatever that goal is, it's important for you to check in to make sure that what you want to work on as the clinician and what that patient wants to work on, what's important to that patient, align. Now, that could be another whole other podcast episode by itself, but it's important to make sure that your goals are at least on the same page as what your patient wants to accomplish. So as you're going through this pretreatment assessment, you know, going through the subjective, this is also where you need to be checking some objective things too. And what I really want you to focus in on here is the, again, physiological status of your patient. Maybe this is checking lab values. This is especially important if your patient is going through treatment maybe you know is in the very active stage of their cancer care continuum checking vitals vitals are real vitals are vital okay you've if you've hung around the podcast for any length of time now you know vitals are really really important cannot underemphasize cannot underscore the importance of vitals. Vitals are critical here. And again, a lot of times I think when we get wrapped up in the busyness of the clinic or whatever setting you're in, sometimes we aren't checking these as often as what we need to. Vitals paint a really important picture for us to be able to check and then say, is this person safe to participate in today's exercise or not? and not just vitals, right? Because we know that again, some cancer treatments and some other treatments, not just cancer, you know, some medications have profound effects on a person's vitals to where maybe the vitals don't show the whole picture, but they show part of it. And this is again where you can be checking your patient as you're conversing with them, seeing how are they doing? Are they having trouble speaking? Do they look like they're working harder than what they should be? And this is where rate of perceived exertion or RPE can be very, very valuable when assessing our people. So again, as you're checking all of this, this is just within the first few minutes of your interaction with that patient. And you're not even asking them a bunch of you know, necessarily like super medical questions, but you can still get the information you need in order to make a judgment call. Is it safe for me to do this exercise today? Do I need to maybe alter it to focus more on these exercises? So doing your pre-treatment assessment, even as simple as what I've been talking to you here, gives you a lot of information on how to safely dose exercise for your patient that day. Now, something you're probably determining before that session, hopefully, you know, maybe in the initial evaluation or as you are reviewing paperwork to see that person for the first time, you need to be checking out what comorbidities and other impairments does the person have. So this would be question four. And what I really want you to look at here would be lymphedema. Does this person have chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, for example? Is bone integrity an issue? You know, does this person have osteopenia or even osteoporosis? And not just that. As we learned when we were talking about the case report last week, is this person at risk of impaired bone density? Unfortunately, we know that we don't always catch the people who have decrease bone density or could have potential bone issues. But I personally, and this, I will let you know, this is an opinion right here. So ding, ding, use, use this information, what you will. I assume all of my patients have a bone density issue. That is something that I operate under because of how seriously I take bone health And how common I know that bone density issues are in this patient population. Not all of my patients have bone density issues, but I would so much rather be safe than sorry. And again, not to be extreme, but the case report that we talked about last week really, I think, demonstrates my point. And if you didn't get to sit in on the happy hour that we did on Instagram last week, so this would have been... Then at the beginning of june we had a really really good conversation about how other clinicians in our space address and approach patients who have potential bony issues and there was very much a a common thread of i think you should just assume bone health is an issue until proven otherwise so again that is my opinion you do what you will but it's important to consider that these comorbidities or these you know additional impairments can affect our person's ability to participate in different exercises. And this is just a sampling, right? You know, there's all kinds of other issues out there. Diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, you know, all these other things that our patients could have in addition to cancer that all come together to make this picture of a person who may have issues participating in the stuff that you want them to. So don't forget about all the other things going on and how they may contribute, you know, facilitate or restrict your patient's ability to participate in the level of exercise you want them to be at. So comorbidities impairments would be number four. And the last thing you need to be checking or asking yourself is, how is the person responding to exercise so far? How are we doing today? Is the patient seemingly on track with how you wanted to challenge them that day? How are we doing today versus the last time you saw them? Are we progressing as expected? Do we maybe need to regress a little bit or are we maintaining really well? Is this person seemingly responding differently than what you expected? Again, is this person seeming to have to work really hard to do the activity that you want them to do, maybe a little too hard and you need to assess, is this the right thing to do? Again, this is a great opportunity. Monitor those vitals, get out that blood pressure cuff, get out your you know, your pulse ox. I have a um, RPE chart on hand that I can just pull out. And you know, if a person's working really hard, they can point to it, show me exactly where they feel like they are. And if it doesn't match, where I want them to be, then I adjust. These aren't crazy questions, but they are really critical to checking and assessing frequently that your patient is on the right track, that your patient is on the, you know, kind of the path that you want them to be and how you want them to be responding throughout all of this. Safety is something that we need to be very, very considerate of and aware of when it comes to cancer rehab and onco We know that our patients are very medically complex and we have to be aware that things can change very rapidly. And if you know what to be looking for, then you're better able to make adjustments and stop potentially if things go wrong. Or say, you know what, my patient's doing really, really well today. It's time for me to increase, you know, one of those FITT principles to challenge them more. We shouldn't be afraid to challenge our patients, but we have to challenge them appropriately. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time, y'all. And I will see you for our next episode where we're talking all about metastases and what that means for our exercise prescription in OncoPT hey everybody it's june which means that the july 1st deadline for the abpts oncology specialist exam is just around the corner don't forget you have to submit your application your hours and your case report all in time for that july 1st deadline if you're still struggling with your case report stop there's no need to anymore because our case report crash course is designed to take you from a blank page to a completed case report so that you can submit it and get back to studying, which is the really, really important part of this exam. Link to sign up is in today's show notes, and we'll see you in the case report crash course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. For more episodes, visit the OncoPT.com.